Welcome to A First Perspective with Victoria. I'm so excited to be able to share these conversations with you all, whether I'm sitting down with friends I've known my entire life, mentors that I look up to, or just people who have unique experiences and interesting perspectives on everything that's going on in the world today. I'm so grateful to be able to sit down with these people and share their stories and share their opinions and just be able to have fun with everything. As the title of the podcast suggests, this is all about seeing everything from a new perspective and learning more about other people's perspectives. So it's important to listen with an open mind and a willingness to see things from other people's points of view. And I hope that along the way you are able to either learn something new about what's going on in the world today or to understand something a little bit better that maybe you didn't know too much about. Either way, I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for listening. Hey, you guys. This week, I'm joined by my friend Ashley Duffy, who I've known since the second or third grade. Her and I went to elementary school, middle school, high school together And we both went to college together as well. We both went to SCSU. And during our conversation that we had, she talks a lot about what our freshman year of college was like for her. She went there on a basketball scholarship. She was a great basketball player. And so she opened up a lot about what certain experiences she went through, how they affected her, how they kind of changed her mindset and how it opened her up to learn more about her mental health, mental health in general, how to identify and kind of cope with anxiety and depression and how she's still currently dealing with it. This was a very raw and a very vulnerable conversation for her to have with somebody. And I'm so grateful that she chose to have it with me because her and I, to be honest, haven't connected in years, probably since she um, was no longer at SDSU, which was 2010-ish, so about 10 years. And it was just a really great conversation to have. And, you know, I think it's so important to continue to have these conversations as difficult as they may be, as hard as they may be, as, you know, even if you aren't 100% sure if you are struggling with any kind of mental health aspects, it's just so important. And I... I'm grateful to have the opportunity to be able to speak with people who do want to share their experiences and their stories and who are also available to lend an ear or, you know, a message if you ever need to talk to anybody and you're not sure really where to start. I also want to point out that she recently started a new Instagram page called Fashionably Motivated. So the name kind of entails a bunch of different things that she's trying to post about and kind of just get the conversation going. So it's all about, you know, fitness and health and um, her mental health, personal growth, as well as fashion and just things that are inspirational to her and motivation for other people who maybe follow her. So I'll definitely be sure to tag it in the Instagram post and you should for sure give her a follow And yeah, I hope that you enjoy this conversation. It is a remote conversation, so it was done over Skype. So we weren't together in the same room, but it was still a really great conversation. And I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for joining me, Ashley. No problem. My pleasure. 
So, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, we've known each other since we were like seven, eight years old. <laughs> it's been a, a long, long time, girl. <laughs> a really long time. Um, oh, and so, boy. yeah, I mean, I remember like we would like go play after school and we would just like go to the after school program and, you know, you were always just like that sporty little girl that like loved being active and I hated it. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, that's I was like, always hyper bouncing off the walls everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, that's my memory of you is like all throughout our childhood is you like being the athlete and especially with basketball, obviously, which we want to talk about. We definitely can, but um, yeah. So kind of just walk, you know, through what your journey with mental health has looked like so far. Um, well, for me, mine always like it started when I was, I want to say 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, never had issues with it. Like I said, I was always hyper and happy and just the kid that kind of was shy, but around my friends life of the party kind of. So, um, I never really understood it mm. at that point. Cause it had never happened to me Yeah. until, until I went to college. So, I mean, that's where everything kind of came out and developed for me personally. Okay. And like, so do you remember what the first time or when the first time was that you felt anxious or depressed or anything like that? Like what was kind of like the first thing that made you kind of realize something, you know, you weren't feeling as happy or as maybe normal as you had been before? That one, that one's kind of hard to say. Um, because I think I, I think I had an idea that I wasn't myself, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand what was actually ha- happening to me. And that was freshman year at San Diego state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all, that all came about because I think I want to say the summer of my first year at San Diego state, um, cause we had to live on campus and go to summer school. I started talking to a guy on the basketball team and he, I knew of him. He was friends with my sister. Cause my sister also went to San Diego state and I really wasn't interested in talking to anyone. And he started talking to me. So instantly like formed a relationship. It was never official mm-hmm. or anything, but it just, it was really toxic. It was a really, really toxic situation. And I think the moment that I kind of realized I wasn't myself was when I was skipping class. And let's be honest, I always said that I was not the school person, Mm -hmm. but, um, this was me not being able to get out of bed and me not wanting to do things that were normal for me, like be around people and, and like, just have fun, you know, like I wasn't, I wasn't even laughing Mm -hmm. and smiling like I used to. Yeah. I had no energy. I wanted to sleep all the time. The only, the only time I would really get up is when I knew that I had to be at something. So Mm -hmm. practices, um, like early morning lifts, stuff like that. Study hall. I obviously had to be at those things, but when I came to class and being around people, the thought of that was awful. I didn't, I did not want to do it. 
And it's different saying, oh, I, I couldn't get out of bed that morning. You know, like, I'm tired or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this, this was, I physically can get out of bed, but mentally and emotionally, I'm so drained that I cannot bring myself to even, like, make myself move. Yeah. You know, and it's so, it's so weird to explain that to somebody, especially if they haven't been through it, because you, you can't really explain that feeling. People are like, oh, just, just get up. You're like, that's, that's easier said than done, you know, unless you've experienced it. But that's, that's really when I started to notice things. Um, but I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of kept it to myself. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were both at SCSU and you know, I remember, like, you were obviously way busier because you had basketball and everything, but we would still try to see each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do remember when you did start dating that guy, and we would have lunch, and you were, you know, I you were aware of, like, it not being the best relationship because we did talk about it, but you never, like, led me to believe that it was anything, you know, that you were struggling with outside of it just not being a good relationship. Um, you know, and so it was just like, and I think that's just a normal thing where we, we don't want subconsciously or even consciously to be judged by anything. So we have kind of been taught to not share those things and to not be like, oh yeah, the relationship's really bad. You know, I'm not, I have no motivation to do anything. I'm not getting out of bed because, you know. I would like to think that I would have been a good friend, but, you know, I don't know how I would have reacted at that time. You know, it was 10 years ago almost, so. Well, I don't think that at that point in time, because, I mean, like I said, I was 18 years old, Mm -hmm. and I don't think I knew the level of toxic that that relationship was. I don't think I understood that. I was being mentally and emotionally abused, you know, Mm -hmm. until, until later. Mm -hmm. And now I can look back at things and be like, wow, you know, that's, that's completely unacceptable. And that, that's why, you know, some of these other things were happening because you get to a point where, when somebody is, is making you feel so bad about yourself, they almost, they, they try to make you feel like they're the only person that's that's ever going to accept you, you know? So that's the point that I got to where I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like this person is not good for me. Like I, I knew it, I knew it in my gut, but at the same time, I'm like, well, all these things he's saying to me, is anybody else gonna, gonna like me? Is anybody else gonna want me? You know? Yeah. It's like, that that, makes it tough. Yeah. It's that just the highest level of manipulation into making someone who cares about you believe that you know, no one else will ever love them. And a lot, a lot of girls and a lot of people, it's not just girls, but a lot of people have had past relationships like that, where the other person just tries to like, just ingrain it in them that no one else will ever love them. So they have to stay in this really bad relationship. And it's so terrible. Like, oh, it is. And that's, that's what was crazy for me. Um, because anyone, that kind of knew me and grew up and was around, around me. Um, I mean, like I said, I was shy at some, at some times in my life, but for the majority of the the time I was very outspoken. I've always been that way. Very, very strong minded, very opinionated. And I lost my voice in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I, 
And that's one thing that I try now not not to do. And it's something I still struggle with because of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't stick up for myself. I, I let it happen, you know. And I think that happens to people more than they realize. And they don't, it's hard to, when you're in it, to kind of come outside of that situation and outside of yourself and be like, wow, this is what's happening to me right now. Yeah, exactly. Because we're, we're not really taught to do that. And that is primarily like a female thing where we are taught, you know, to just, you know, not speak up and to just kind of sit there and let people talk to us however they want um, and not to fight back. But I think things are changing and we're, we are able to do that more often now. But I definitely know what you mean, especially when you're younger, like it's hard to find your voice and it's hard to stand up to somebody um, who, you know, is that emotionally abusive or physically, you know, if they're bigger than you, you know, like it's hard. So I definitely understand that. But so has like, um, anyone else in your family ever had like mental health kind of issues come up or uh, whether it's like diagnosed or anything like has it been, ever been something that you guys talked about my family definitely has problems with you know struggle they struggle with mental health um more so on my mom's side that I know of mm-hmm. and I always grew up knowing that my mom had had some issues you know I didn't know exactly what they were I didn't understand them like depression I heard the word through like thrown around a couple times but I didn't fully understand it you know mm-hmm. until I went through it and it was never really talked about you know my mom would kind of struggle with outbursts and just you know getting upset and being sad and I, I remember seeing it and I remember thinking, like, why are you like this? You know, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. But it's the same as somebody, like, when you're going through it and somebody's like, just just get out of bed. Mm-hmm. You're like, if it I was, can't. Yeah, if it was that <laughs> easy, I would. <laughs> right. I would I would be out of bed getting everything done right now. But yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't really something that we like we talked about and, and it was explained. Um so as I got older, um, she was actually the one that helped me through this time, um, at San Diego state, because I remember calling her cause the act, the actual moment that I was like, okay, I'm done. I need to, I need to talk to somebody about this. Um, and that's where my mom came into play is I was actually at a party two days, two days after I had ended stuff, uh, with this guy like we both sat down ended it we're like this is toxic it can't happen anymore we need to go our separate ways mm-hmm. both three like okay cool and I remember we were at a party I was drinking because at that point I was kind of trying to have fun and, and convince myself that I was okay mm-hmm. so I remember my teammates were there my sister included he was there um, he got really upset when a guy came and tried to hit on me. Um, he made some petty comments to me. And then I guess at that point I got upset and like, I finally spoke up and said something to him, you know, and just kind of lashed out. And he just, he lost it. He lost it. He could not handle that. He told me, he called me all, all sorts of names. Um, 
told me I was the biggest mistake of his life, told me that he hoped I would rot in hell. Um, he heard me crying, obviously. Yeah. And because uh, I was talking to a friend outside outside of his place or whatever, because or, that's where the party was. And he was texting me. And I remember he texted me. This is just like burned in my memory. He texted me and said, I don't care if you're crying. I hope you get pity banged on your walk home. And I was right. I was like, what, you know, like, I was like, whoa, like so overwhelmed. Like what, what did I do for someone, for someone to, to wish things like that on me? Yeah. And that, I mean, and it's so hard because in that moment, it's all, he's blaming you. So you feel guilty, but at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with you. And it's just who he is as a human. And like, he's a bad person. And he obviously also has mental health issues that he has to work through. Yes. But you know, in that moment, it's like, of course you're going to feel guilty and be like, what did I do? Like I did this, you know? So, right. Oh my God. Yeah. And and I I mean, like, so that was, that was a crucial moment, you know? So, I remember walking home to my apartment. I cried the whole way home and I walked into my kitchen and I, I remember I grabbed, I grabbed a kitchen knife, like a, like a steak knife. And I locked myself in my bathroom and I really just, I sat on the edge of my bathtub and really thought about slitting my wrists Mm -hmm. at that, at that point in time, I was like, this is, it's too much. It's too heavy. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just sat there for a long time. And I remember I finally just called my mom yeah. because I was like, okay, do I want to tell somebody? And I was like, I have to, I have to, you know, like I cannot do this to myself. So I called my mom, it was probably like two in the morning and she came and got me. And I, that night I cried myself to sleep in my mom's bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the next day she took me to, uh, the doctor. And that's when I started, um, therapy and stuff. And I was diagnosed with severe depression. Um, so it was crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I'm thankful that I was able to stop myself before I did any harm. Um, but some people, some people can't, you know, some people feel, like it, it's so much that it's never going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's tough. You know, like I've, I've felt that feeling. I've, I've felt the weight of the world on me yeah. um, in regards to depression. So I get it, you know? Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. And I think that everyone who has suffered or dealt with depression in any way has had that thought of it's never going to get better or this is the best it's going to get. And it's so, I can't imagine what it's like to get to that point and to have to have someone help you back away from that ledge, you know, Mm -hmm. you just aren't able to do it on your own. And so, I mean, I think it obviously really helps to have someone around you or someone you can talk to that understands it too and um, that can help you that has been through it before or that, you know, is someone that you trust to help you. So that's so crazy. And then so you started therapy right after that. Were you when you got diagnosed, did they also want to put you on medication? Were you taking anything at that time? 
Oh, they, they, they put me on medication that day. Yeah. That day. Um, and I started going to therapy regularly after that. Um, and then I ended up, I ended up quitting school second semester. Um, I quit early because I think it was like a month and a half, two months early mm-hmm. because I was, I was really contemplating staying at state and still playing, but, um, I was a freshman, obviously. He was, I think, only a sophomore, so I was going to have to see him. And I had to go talk to my coaches. My coaches told his coaches to um, keep him away from me. They told him to stay away from me. But I'm like, you can only do so much at that point. I was still going to have to see him around yeah. on campus, see him at, at, at the gym, you know? Yeah. Um, there were moments where he would he would try to, like, intimidate me. Like I would, I would, he would like be watching practices, um, in the stands and he would text me if I like tripped or something on the court, I would go into the locker room and have a text. Oh, don't trip. Like just stuff, just stuff like that, you know? So just little, little things. And and these are things I never told anyone. So for me, I was like, it's never going to get better. Like he's, as long as he's here, it's never, it's never going to be what it should be, you know? So, um, and that was that was a really tough decision to to quit and give up a what a five year scholarship, yeah, full ride, full love. ride, one hundred fifty thousand dollars scholarship, yeah, to San Diego State, you know, D one in my hometown. Like I worked my whole life for that, yeah. And you were but, so good, and it was something that you loved. And like he, you know, he took that away from you. Like that sucks. Yeah, and and at that point, it was even. I didn't even like basketball at that point. I hated, I hated basketball. And it's crazy because what used to be therapy for me and and was a sanctuary, you know, that's where I went and got all my, all my stress out. Mm -hmm. But that became almost a a prison to me. I was like, I have to go to this. I'm so unhappy here. It's affecting this because I wasn't playing like myself. I wasn't, um, dedicated as, as much as I as I used to be and it was all just a vicious circle mm-hmm. and I was like I gotta go I, I, I gotta leave you yeah. know I have to take care of myself yeah so and because like the other side of that is like even if you had said something which would have been so brave and so hard to like actually share specific details in all honesty, it probably wouldn't have changed much, you know? So Oh, definitely not. Like, I, I, I truly believe that I I would have been worse off staying at San Diego State. Yeah, because, like, they wouldn't – like, he wouldn't have been kicked out or anything like that, you know? It just – he would have got a slap on the wrist at most, so. Right. Yeah, so that – so, yeah, so then you, you quit school. Um, that's kind of honestly when you and I kind of lost touch. And so eventually, like we were just talking about, you've lived outside of California since 2014. Um, right. So, you know, um, what were you doing, like, in the meantime once you quit school and were trying to figure out what kind of what your life was going to look like without basketball? Who <laughs> girl. <laughs> <laughs> I fell off the deep end. Um, so I had actually gone to, and I don't, I don't know how many people actually know about this. I don't really bring it up because I don't really count it in my head, but I actually went to Chico state for a year right after. So, uh, what state was 2009, 2010, so 2010, 2011. Yeah. 
I was in Chico, but that was mostly because I, I went back. I wasn't ready. I was not ready to go back to school and basketball at that point. And I knew that, but I, my dad wanted me to go back. People wanted me to go back. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me try it. It was a complete, I was a renter. It was a complete fail. All I did was party and fail all my classes, came home. And, uh, I actually was living with, uh, Kyla Chopla at the point, at that point in time, I had nowhere else to go. I wasn't cool with, with my, uh, family. My dad was pissed at me. Um, I was, I was angry. I was, um, lost and confused and just still in pain. You know, Mm -hmm. I had, I hadn't dealt with it at that point. I kind of, I had stopped going to therapy I stopped taking medication because I didn't want, I didn't want people thinking like, oh, you're on medication. There's something wrong with you. Like I didn't, I hadn't gotten to a point where I was like, no, like I need this. You yeah. know, this is, this is how you take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. So I was, I was ashamed of it. I was embarrassed. I wasn't ready to talk about it. And when I came back, I remember people were so mean to me. People were so awful. I had people telling me I was worthless, telling me how, how stupid I was. And, the, and this is when I was living with Kai, I think. Yeah. And these are people I went to high school with, people I grew up with, yeah. you know, who, who had no idea at that point I hadn't told anybody what had gone on at San Diego state because I didn't know anyone, my yeah. story, you know, and I wasn't ready. So I just, I took it. Everything that people said to me at that point, all the hateful things, I just, I took it and I was like, okay. And I, and I moved along, you know? Yeah. So in that time, I just, I was living in San Diego, working, working job to job, just like bouncing around, uh, bouncing around, like from family members' houses, friends' houses, going out all the time. And I was, I was not a great person, but at all, at all, because I was, I was in pain and pain, pain changes you. Yeah. It absolutely changes you. And I think that a lot of what people saw at that point, they judged, but they didn't know the backstory. They didn't know where it was all coming from, Mm -hmm. you know? So they just saw me as this little party girl who wasn't doing anything. And you know, it's true. I wasn't, but for me, there was, there was reasons for that. Yeah. And, um, people didn't take the time to, to really be like, Hey, are you okay? Like what, what, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause at that time, like you said, like you haven't told anybody really what happened. And so, you know, I think it's, just, I mean, it's, it's a coping mechanism to just stay busy and to do whatever you can to keep your mind off of stuff. So that way you don't have to deal with it because you're not ready to deal with it yet. You know, we don't, right. we didn't learn healthy ways growing up to deal with any sort of kind of trauma, you know, so we don't know how to do it. So our initial reaction is to not talk about it or, you know, not bring it up. And so uh, absolutely, it just like, absolutely. It, it makes sense that that is kind of what you default, like defaulted to, but also at the same time, it's, it's hard when you're basically, I mean, Kai's house at the time, like it was never empty. There was always people there. 
And the fact that, like, you're surrounded by people but you can't really talk to any of them probably just made you feel even more lonely about it, you know? Right. And I I remember having a specific conversation with with one of them. And, um, I mean, obviously in high school I was always – I was always more so one of the guys than anything else. So, um, always had those conversations. And I remember one night at Kai's, someone trying to have a conversation about San Diego State and just, just being so, so awful and just telling me how I'm a waste of God given talent and this and that. And I'm looking, I'm looking at this person like, but did you go to college? But did you get a D1 scholarship? Did you did you play D one basketball? Have you mm-hmm. done that? Have you done those things? Yeah. Like no, no they were okay, all doing so... they were all doing the fucking same thing. Everyone was just there partying all the time. Right. <laughs> I just and that's the thing. I'm like, you have not walked in my shoes, okay? Mm-hmm. So take take all the the stuff that was going on outside of basketball away. Mm-hmm. You don't even understand what it's like to be a D one athlete. Yeah, you can't. You can't even relate to me on that level. Yeah. So, how are you gonna attack me and tell me things when you don't? You don't even know everything that was happening, and you haven't done that for yourself. You you have you don't have those same experiences. Yeah. You know, and and that's what I've learned too. Like I can't sit here and and criticize this person you know if I haven't lived that same life Mm -hmm. like how am I gonna understand where you're coming from if I've I've never experienced that for myself yeah you know so and and that was the time where when people would say that I was like okay if that's how you feel because I'm not gonna sit here and and explain to you something that you don't understand and I don't have to explain to you. Like, I don't owe you an explanation as to why I quit basketball in school. Yeah. I don't owe you. That. Exactly. Exactly. But everyone is so, feels so entitled to finding out everything. And they just, everyone, the entitlement of our generation is really what bothers me. And we, I mean, it's, we're getting off topic, but the entitlement of like everyone feeling like you owe them something or like if you if someone invites you to something and you just say no they need an explanation why it's like no you don't my answer is no like take it and then move on with your life (laughs) and like now you know I get it I grew up I was always the the like you said the athletic girl just you know the one good at sports and I knew that it wasn't coming from a bad place. I knew that they were just like, you're good. You should be there. You, you, you work for that, but it's not that easy sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just, I, like I said, I let all of that go and I just, but I, I held on to it inside. So it just made me angrier and angrier over time. Mm-hmm. So those those three almost four years that I wasn't playing basketball, I was angry. I was so upset, you know. Yeah. And and that's that's a long time to be that angry. Yeah, absolutely. And then so during that time, were you um, still going to therapy? On and off, um, not not consistently. Um, I wasn't. I was like on and off of medication. I never really took medication long enough for it for like me to really 
see if it would help me. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that also, like, I'm not on medication now, which isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and that's totally fine. You know, some people, some people need it. Um, some people just, you know, they want it. Mm-hmm. Me, I, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I just personally feel that I have gotten my mind to a place where I can, I can do it mentally. Yeah. You know, I can, yeah. I can, I can figure it out to help myself. Yeah, absolutely. In other ways. Yeah. I know I, I went on something for anxiety one time and, you know, a lot of times one thing that's for anxiety is also for depression. Um, Mm -hmm. and while I was on it, I like could not cry. Like nothing could make me cry. Even like the saddest movie scenes, like my favorite characters (laughs) dying, like whatever it was that would normally make me cry. I just couldn't cry. And I, I called myself a robot because I was like, I don't feel anything. Like I don't want to feel the sad stuff or the stuff that makes me anxious. Yeah. But I also don't want to not be able to cry like happy tears, you know, or like at all. So that was my reason for stopping. And, you know, there's other ones out there and I do have friends that are on something and that's great because it works for them. But I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's for everybody. And I don't think you should force yourself to be on something, um, just because maybe a doctor or someone around right. is telling you to do it. What, and for me too, I think, uh, from people I've talked to, um, it's, it's tricky. Medication is tricky because, Sometimes you'll find something quickly that works for you. Um, other times you have to try multiple medications and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really hard and long process because you have to try one for what, like at least, at least a month mm-hmm. before you can see if that one does anything for you. Sometimes if that one doesn't work, then you have to stop taking that medication. You have to go through the whole process again and try a different one and wait a month. So it's not easy, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not just taking one pill. Oh, this didn't work. And then on to the next, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's rough, but like I said, some, some people need it. Um, and that's totally fine. Um, my pet peeve, um, is people who bash others for being on medication. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not cool. It's not, that's not your life. Exactly what I said. If you haven't, if you haven't, live that person's life and you you haven't walked in their shoes yeah you don't get to make a comment yeah exactly exactly and everyone just needs to be more tolerant of stuff and I do think that that's changing I think people are I think we're talking about it more we're breaking the stigma around mental health which is gonna help um but I definitely you know especially with older generations like I think, you know, both of my parents and grandparents and everything, all, they all have their own issues, but we never talk about it. So it is what it is kind of thing. Right. But um, Well, that's why I felt so compelled to share all, yeah. like, all of my stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I know, I think it's, it's one of the hardest things is having a conversation like this and sharing what either has caused, you know, your mental health issues or... Uh, what you've had to go through to like cope with them and like to come out the other side, you know, it's scary and it's, it's hard, but I think these hard conversations are important. Um, cause so many people aren't ready to have them yet, but just by sharing even a tiny bit, you can help someone feel like they're not alone or like it's okay. Oh, to definitely. Feeling. 
So that's, you know, that's always my goal is I don't want anyone to feel alone in anything that they're feeling because it's always valid and there's always something that can be done to make, try to help them feel better. So, and, and that's what people don't realize. Sometimes I think people lose sight of the fact that everybody's struggling, Mm -hmm. whether they want to admit it or not. When I opened up about my stuff, so many people were, were shocked Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I've always kind of the way I carry myself, I like to think I'm a pretty confident person and that's what, that's the feedback I got. You know, when people were saying, I, I would have never thought that you would have struggled with this. And, mm-hmm. and that's crazy to me because we all go through it, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe not with, with actual depression per se, but we all are struggling. we all have our lonely moments. We all have moments where we need someone we need to, we need to talk about something yeah so yeah definitely um and then so you were back in San Diego for a few years but then you ultimately decided to leave again and you went back Correct. to school right you you went back to school right I did and because at that point I was kind of I like to say at rock bottom um I kind of ran out of places to stay. I was just, like I said, living with different people. And um, at that point, I was staying with my friend Antoine, um, who who helped me out so much. Um, He was just someone very real, very blunt, very honest. Mm -hmm. And I remember I walked into his room one night, and I sat down next to his bed, and I was like, I need you to tell me what's wrong with me. Like, what is wrong with me? And he was like, you, you really want me to have this conversation? I'm like, yes, please, lay it on me. And, you know, he told me, he's like, you, you play the victim, you, you know, A, B, A, B, and C. And I was like, you know what, you're right. So mm-hmm. I remember at that point I was um, working at BMW, just, like, doing filing and stuff like that for them. And I kind of started looking into what it would take to get back into basketball because at that point – I had to want it for myself. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't just do it because somebody was like, "Oh, you should finish." I was yeah. like, "No, I had to want to be there." And I finally started to get that, that feeling again. So um, I was actually going to enroll at Grossmont and just and play there. And then people started to hear that I was wanting to play again. So my club coach called me and said that he had. Uh, so I had to go to junior college first for a year to get back on track to finish at a D2 or lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knew a coach out there in like a very, very, very small town in uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I went and visited and I knew, I knew, I was like, this is where I need to be. I need to completely get out of San Diego. I need to go away from all distractions. I need to leave all of this behind mm-hmm. and really just focus because I knew if I stayed in San Diego to do that, I would not have the same outcome if I would have stayed in San Diego mm-hmm. that I, that I have now, you know? Yeah. So I picked up and I left, I went out there. What was that? August, 2014. And that year was rough. Let me tell you, <laughs> that was a very rough year. I only, like I said, I had one year to get back on track with my credits and everything. 
And I think my first semester, I had to take six classes. My second semester, I had to take five. I had to pass every single class. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, it was was not easy. And I think that's the only time I hadn't worked out, mind mind you, in like three years. Yeah. And I had just been drinking and just doing whatever I wanted. And I think my mile time, my very first mile time back was like, 12 minutes and I was mortified (laughs) absolutely mortified I was like what in the world we have a lot of work to do so um yeah I just I I got back in shape I passed all my classes and that's why I ended up um getting to Missouri Mm -hmm. and for my last two years I could like I said I could only go D2 or lower so um, I've been out here since 2015. So crazy. It's just so different than, well, I guess maybe not the actual town because you said Lakeside's very similar. But <laughs> good old Lakeside. Good old Lakeside. But yeah, and it, I mean, it definitely has seemed like over, especially the last few years, um, just, you know, following you on social media and being able to like see your posts and everything, there was definitely a significant like good positive change in just what seemed to be your life. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, cause I mean, it's social media. We're not all going to see everything, but, um, you know, and you, you've always, you've been pretty open about not specific details, but just like struggling with certain things and, you know, your highs and your lows from your entire journey, which has just been, you know, awesome to see, because like I said, it's, it's, it, um, like unifies us together when we see people going through similar things. Um, and I definitely, you know, like what you were saying about how basketball was like, you're like, that's where you took, took out all your stress and everything like that. So I think, uh, not being able to do that or not doing that for so long definitely had an effect on your mental health too. Oh yeah, for sure. So to just completely give that up, you know, and, and part of it was just being angry at myself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and upset that I, that I did quit. But I think coming back and doing it the way that I did, um, just makes me appreciate it that much more. Like when I, I remember graduating, like that was dope. That was so cool. But I remember actually getting my degree in my hand later when it was mailed to me, I was like, man, I did that. Like I came back after three, almost four years mm-hmm. and, and finished. Yeah. So I look at that degree and I'm like, that, that, that is my freshman year of San Diego state. Like I did that, you know, like I came back from that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, what's just, it's just so crazy because you it wouldn't have like it you weren't required to do that I guess is the best way of putting it like you know if you didn't want to go back ever again like that would have been totally fine too um and anybody who would have found out what happened would have completely understood but the fact that you did do it and you went back and like you did make that comeback on your own for yourself and not for your dad or a coach or a friend or anything or the people that were talking shit to you, you know, like that's, that's, it's really inspiring too. Well, and that's something that I have to kind of 
think about myself too, because I remember after graduating, I've, I've always been an overthinker. I'm harder on myself in my own head, obviously at all times than other people, like other people being hard on me. Like you, you are not as, as hard on me as I am myself, mm-hmm. like 100%. So when I graduated in 2017, I remember just not being satisfied. Like I was like, okay, cool. I did that. Like what's next, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it took my friends sitting me down and, and being like, Hey, like you, you just did that. Mm-hmm. Be proud of it. You know, like enjoy it for a moment. And that's what I want people to, to realize too, is that when people say do whatever you want to do, like you really can Mm-hmm. you really can like you just have to you have to be disciplined and that's something that I'm working on now in the present too because I got away from that but sometimes I have to stop myself when I'm like okay I am not doing enough I'm not I'm not I'm not getting things done like in my head the way that I want them mm-hmm. I'm like I think back to that time and I'm like I can do it though because yeah. look what I did here you know it's, it's reference for me in my own life yeah, yeah. To just look back and be like, this, I'm, I, I am capable of doing all of these things that I want to do. Yeah, exactly. But when you have had relationships, whether romantic or friendships, with people who kind of tear you down, you know, it does just totally become this mentality that you believe that, you know, you may not be able, you know, you're not going to be successful. No one's ever going to want to be with you. You know, like there's all these different crazy negative thoughts that somebody else has forced you to believe. And so it takes so much time to like train yourself to think positively about those things and to not put that pressure on yourself. Definitely. I, I have had to retrain myself to think similar to the way that I did before San Diego state, Mm -hmm. because after San Diego state, I had no confidence. I had, I was just rough on myself all the time, even, even worse than, than usual. So um, that's something, that's something I still struggle with. And, and, you know, I still struggle with depression, obviously. And, I had my moments, you know, six months ago, I was in a horrible place and I had to get myself out of that. And it, it took a long time. Like I'm just now getting to a point again where I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling more like myself. And I think, um, right now my goal was I'm turning 29 what next week. And I'm finally, giving all of my energy to myself, which is mm-hmm. something that I haven't done for years. Mm-hmm. Even when I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on me. No. Yeah. I am. I am not, I was not focused the same way I am now that I, that I was then. And that's something I want people to understand too, is that there's, there's no time frame. Like don't, don't let yourself get sucked into believing that you have to do this by this time or you have to be this person at this age, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a hot mess. I am almost 29 years old and I am still a hot mess. I am still figuring things out. Absolutely. And I think that's, and that's okay. Yeah. We, 
there's all these like pressures from society from previous generations that are like oh by the time you're 30 you're supposed to be married and buying a house and starting your family and all this stuff and I I just that's that's so ridiculous to me because we all live such different lives and we all have different goals and aspirations and if that's what you want to do by the time you're 30 that's great but if you don't like there's nothing wrong with that too and I think that's why so many people our age struggle with anxiety and depression is because they just feel all this pressure from their parents or from just following people on social media and it's just not Definitely. realistic. And so like social media, I just think is so toxic and it, it has its benefits, of course, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, like everyone should just stop following all these influencers and these models. Oh, yeah. like, it's just like, it's, it's so, it's not going to do you any good to see these people that are living these lives that you're just never going to live. And that's fine. Cause you're a different person, but exactly. Some some of those things are are unattainable. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've caught myself getting sucked into it. I'm like, oh, I am I'm not as pretty as that person, or I'm yeah. not as successful as that person, you know. And and I have been depressed over thoughts like that. Yeah, and I have to figure out ways to to get myself out of that and bring myself back down to earth, you know, and yeah, and just be. A, be appreciative, I guess. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like, I mean, I went to SDSU and I graduated in 2014 whenever I graduated, but I feel like I had all this pressure to get a degree that like, I knew what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I'm like, no, I'm 18 years old. How can you ask me to choose that and expect me to not change my mind in the future? And, you know, I, I, I went time, like I barely graduated, like my last semester, like I had dropped out of classes. I had to crash at the last minute. I missed papers. I missed finals. And I was like emailing my professors, like just straight out, flat out lying to them about why I was missing class right. just because I couldn't do it. Like I was, I was in a bad relationship at the time. So I would miss work but to go hang out with him because he would make me feel guilty if I didn't. And it's like, no, I almost screwed up like four years of my life right, for right. this guy. And then like, I got a degree and I don't even use it. <laughs> like, it's just so like, it's ironic. Cause well, it's like, and when people say like, you need to figure out what you can do with the rest of your life, bro, I can't even decide <laughs> half the time what I want to eat for lunch yeah. that day. So you're, how are you going to put pressure on me to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life? Yeah. That is a long time. Yeah, exactly. And so I just try, like, my my thing for this year, and, like, I hope I'm, you know, I'm working at it, is just to be able to, just, like, live in the moment and to not, like, I don't have a five-year plan. And my boss recently asked me, like, what my five-year plan is. And I was like, I can't tell you because I don't want know what I want to do in the next year. Right, like, right. I just, like having goals is one thing. Like if your goal is to one day buy a house or whatever, to go on a great vacation for your 30th birthday, like those things are awesome to me, but I just don't think people are setting these like five-year plans or whatever. And then if they're not making those goals in time, they're just stressing themselves out more. And there's so much else going on in the world. There's so many other things that can give you anxiety or that can, you know, affect your mental health that, you just need to take the pressure off yourself too. Right. 
and that's and that's for me right now. Um, I think I think just I think it was actually Thanksgiving weekend is when I kind of had a a breakthrough moment and was like I'm not happy with what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm I am not happy with it. Like I got myself out of a out of where I was living. I moved from that small town to Kansas City. I cut off a lot of people. I, you know, changed certain situations in my life, got a new job. So I've made steps. I've made progress. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I know that I was still unhappy. So recently I've been trying to make smaller goals that are more attainable. Mm -hmm. That when I do reach it, I'm like, okay, like, I did that, you know, I, I, on to the next, Yeah, you know, so, um, getting myself into a routine was something that I wanted to do. I was sleeping too much. I, and, and that's one of my things. And that's what I need people to understand too, is that not everyone's depression is the same. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's anxiety is the same. So what could be a trigger for you or, or a sign for you is not going to be the same thing for me. So something in myself, like when I start to sleep a lot and I withdraw and I'm like, my energy level is low because I'm, I'm a hyper person by nature. So mm-hmm. when I'm not that way at all, I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't you. So, you know, getting in myself in the routine. I remember that, that Monday after, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I, I got a gym membership that weekend. I, uh, just change all my eating habits. I, I remember I worked out that whole entire week, mm-hmm. six days that week. I got up at four thirty every single morning and went to the gym. I came home, made myself breakfast. I started meal. I meal prepped, mm-hmm. so I made my food all for all all week. And I just started making sure, like going to bed at the same time. I cut off people that I was kind of hanging out with like you know romantically or whatever you know dating because I was distracting myself Mm -hmm. yeah you know I was distracting myself from my own problems and and that's something that I'm really trying to work on you know for 2020 and age you know 29 and just for myself you know like I said earlier finally giving everything to me Mm -hmm. rather than other people and um you know accepting things that I've done in my life and, and those are things for me that make me feel better, you know, cause I'm not running from it anymore. I'm, I'm actually facing, facing those things and being in a routine and just like feeling like I'm doing something and accomplishing something little each day, every day that I wake up and I go to the gym, I accomplish something. Yeah. And I feel good. Yeah. I feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, it's, it just shows your growth because that person that you were when you quit school and, you know, didn't know really what your future was going to look like, like, look at how far you came, you know? And so that's, that's just so amazing that you can recognize that too, because I think there are a lot of people that don't yet recognize what certain behaviors mean for them. You know, like I know when I'm saying yes to everything that I'm getting invited to, that means that I'm like going through kind of like an anxiety type of thing because I'm not putting any time for myself. And like, I have to be able to do that. Like you have to put yourself first and that's hard for a lot of people. A lot of people don't understand it, especially if that's who you've been 
during your friendship with them for any time period and for you to like withdraw yourself or to like be able to put yourself first or to cut them off in any way it's really hard for people because they just don't get it but it's like as long as it's best for you like just do what you got to do right and and I think for a long time I didn't want to put myself first because I thought that meant I'd be lonely Mm -hmm. and I recently figured out that I was confusing loneliness with solitude. Mm -hmm. Solitude is completely different than being lonely. And I think everything that I've been doing together, I'm like, okay, no, this is, this is keeping your head down and, and just worrying about yourself. Mm -hmm. This isn't, this isn't lonely. This is not lonely. I feel just in just in these past two weeks, I feel more confident than I felt in six months. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 crazy. That is crazy that just little little changes in just being proactive can change so much. And and like I said, obviously we had that conversation. I'm not on medication. You know, sometimes people need the medication to go with those things, and that's totally fine. But I think I let myself play the victim for far too long. I let myself be a victim of my depression. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop that. I was like, nope. And I would catch myself using it to my advantage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't be that person. Like, I, I I, didn't like people that did that. Yeah. And and I I was one of those people. Yeah. So when that started happening, I was like, we got to make some changes, girl. We got to, we got to get some things going. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I totally get that, you know, because I mean, I reached out to you about having a conversation like this, you know, and more towards the summer and, you know, you were open from it from the beginning, but it just wasn't the right time. And I think that's just what people need to be tolerant of and respectful of is like, just because someone's going through something doesn't necessarily mean they're a ready to talk about it. Or B, that, like, you're going to get the full story. And so, right. just, like, everyone's journey is so different. And no one's journey is perfect when it comes to their mental health. So, it's just, like... And, and I think that's also a big thing is a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it's very much, like... It's also, like, talking about, like, if you go on a diet or something. And then if someone sees you doing something, breaking that diet, they may call you out right. on it. And so, it's, like... I don't want to really share this because if you see me mess up, you're going to say something, but it's like, but we're not perfect. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up and, you know, fail and have to restart. But like, I think it just, it also holds us accountable because, you know, I, I want people to know like, yeah, I'm struggling right now, but like, I'm going to be, I'm going to get through it. But if you do see me messing up, like, I want you to say something because I might not be able to recognize it in myself right away. Right. And, and that's, I was so nervous to ever post about it on social media mm-hmm. because of that reason. Cause I was so nervous of what people were going to say and what people were going to think of me. And at the end of the day, I was like, no, like I, I want to share this one because I want to bring awareness and I want to be able to help, um, people in general, but especially athletes you know people like me who Mm -hmm. 
people, it was hard to bring those up because I mean, obviously people look at athletes as you, Oh, you're disciplined. You have all of your stuff together. Like, no, I am a hot mess. Okay. <laughs> I just wear a basketball jersey. and I look like I have it together I don't at all yeah I just imagine that there's a lot of pressure especially in like high school and college athletes um you know I can think of a couple of people that we went to high school with where their parents are just you know kind of just overwhelming with like you have to win and you have to do this and you have to get into this school and just like but they're also kids dude like you have to understand that like they don't yet, like, yes, it's important to you, you know, and you're dedicated to the sport, but also at the end of the day, like, you're a kid and you just want to have fun and hang out with your friends and, you know, get the opportunity to do what normal kids are doing and not just live your life around, you know, your uh, sport schedule, I guess, you know? Which, yeah, exactly, and that that within itself can sometimes be depressing. I'm like, I lived 15 minutes away from where I grew up, and... I saw my family less when I went to school there than I did, I think, going to my other schools because I would fly home and stuff. Like, yeah, I feel like I barely saw my family. I missed out on, on so much. And being an athlete is not – it's not easy. It's yeah. not easy. And I think there's probably a lot more depression than, than people realize in athletes in yeah. the sports community because – it, it can get lonely sometimes and it can get really hard, you know, like the same way, like that's, if you can't under, like I said before, you can't understand. I think that's why athletes kind of tend to stick together sometimes because I'm like, you, you get me, you understand what I go through. Mm-hmm. Like I can connect with you on a different level. You know, that's like the same way if someone does theater, like I'm not going to understand someone who does theater. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do theater. Like, that's you know it's just we all relate on different levels so yeah yeah, um, definitely um and then so you did eventually start sharing a little bit on social media did you were did you like make a post or something on instagram like when you first wanted to bring it up i actually first posted on facebook and i remember i was sitting it was when I was at, um, I think it was Eastern Arizona. Yeah. Like, so my first year back, I think it was second semester. I think season was over. I was, I remember I was sitting in the airport. I think I was going home to visit family or something. No, I think I was actually going to my visit to UCM. Yep. That's what it was. So I had a paper for one of my classes and I forget what the topic was, but I was, I had just, I think I was finishing like the last final edits on my paper while I was waiting for to board my plane. And for some reason, I don't know, I don't know why, but something just told that I wanted to post about it. Mm-hmm. So I think I just, I referenced the fact that I had this paper and it made me think about stuff. And I just wanted to, I wanted to share. And I was so nervous. I was so, so nervous. I was like, Ashley, why are you doing this? But, yeah. uh, I just felt compelled to, to open up and share and in the response back was crazy. I had so many, so many comments. I had so many people messaging me. I had people reaching out, um, and apologizing. I had old teammates apologizing from planning a state that, you know, had, you know, made comments and didn't really know what was going on. And 
random people maybe like we went to high school with i had we had a few, I had a few people message me from that we went to high school with and just thanking me for opening up and telling me you know like i would have never ever thought that i could relate to you on something like this yeah because we because we were from completely different groups in high school yeah you know so it was i i was like dang this is this is what I want to do, you know, like I, I want to help people. I want to share. And I just started posting from there. And it's just, it's, it's crazy that to see what people have to say. Yeah. And it's just, it's so freeing and it's such a weight off of your shoulder. Once you get that initial post or that initial conversation out of the way to just be, you know, free to just say what you want to say and how you yeah. feel and, you know, I, it, it is amazing because it's so, there's so many people that feel the same way, um, or that are just going to support you, even if they maybe have never felt that way before. And like, those are the people that I just really genuinely like love because there's, you know, if you, if you haven't gone through it, it's, it's so hard to understand it, but to still have those people that are going to be a support system or support you in any way without knowing what it feels like, like, that's crazy because it's hard to do. Yeah, it really is. And I think, I think that, that too was my voice finally coming out for all those people who were, who were memes and had just nasty comments to make. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is why, Yeah, you know, this, like, you know, not, not everything, not all the details. You know, this is the first time that I've ever shared, um, some of my, deeper things, you know, like details about almost cutting myself and stuff. So, um, that's new, but like, I didn't, I didn't need to share all that. I just wanted you guys to know, like I went through and yeah, yeah, that's why, you know, it's just, you never know what someone's going through. It's so true when people say that you never know. Yeah, exactly. You don't. And it's just, everyone just needs to be not to like, I mean, I don't think we need to, like, tiptoe around anything, but just be more, like, respectful and, you know, um, be more mindful of what people might have gone through or, you know, it's just, it's so crazy because you sharing that part about how people were so mean to you after the fact. It boggles my brain because to know you for so long and then for you to give up basketball and to quit school, like, that... I knew something had happened, you know, like I knew it wasn't like you were doing it just because you wanted to go party and not like have any responsibilities. And so it's just like, if those people had taken a second to reflect like, Oh, this is Ashley who I've known forever, who loves the sport. If she's not doing it right now, like something must have happened to make her want to stop, you know? Right. So just like the mindfulness is, is huge for me. And you know, just being able to talk about it and have those conversations that are tough. And, you know, I, I greatly appreciate you sharing as much as you did, you know, you and I kind of talked about it and you, you didn't have to share any of that and you did. And that's, it's, it's brave and it's so nice to hear because there's a lot of people that aren't ready yet to share something like that. Right. And I think for me personally, it's taken me a long time time to get to that point you know just my, from my first post on facebook mm-hmm. it, it took me almost four years to to want to share that you know so i think um once you kind of 
get to release it, it's it's almost addicting in a way. Mm-hmm. And and I'm still working on things. Like there's a lot that I still need to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's what I've I've been working on now. You know, and I think the first thing is confronting my own self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really kind of digging deep. And that's and that's what I've been working on, especially within the last like month or so. Like I'm really trying to make a change, and I really want to get more into talking about these things and, and explore it more. So um, I think understanding my own self will help with that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always something, I think working on yourself, we always have something to improve upon, whether that's like a skill we want to improve on or um, like our attitudes towards certain things or just anything related to us. Like we're always improving in some aspect and I don't think we ever stop. And so definitely having something like this to kind of take on and just help you learn more about yourself. I, you know, I don't, there's always going to be a positive when you're learning more about yourself or when you're forgiving yourself for something that happened in the past or working through some sort of trauma. So And that's hard. It is hard. Like people, people act like, and if it's easy for people, I'm happy for you. Like I'm happy that you are happy and it's easy for you to like overcome things and let go. But that has not been my experience. It has been hard. It is hard work. And like I said, right now that's what I'm trying to work on. And, but I'm trying to work on it in a way where I'm not just talking and about the fact that I'm working on it. I'm actually working on it. Because for a long time, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But I wasn't actually. Yeah. So now I'm actually doing things that I can I can see and I can feel an actual change. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference for me right now Yeah. at this point in my life. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I do appreciate you sharing as much as you did. And, you know, I know you've shared stuff in the past and people have reached out to you uh, before, but you recently created like a Facebook group, right? Yes. Um, What was that? What's that called? So it's called Discussions with Duffy. And I haven't, I've created it. I haven't actually posted on the Instagram or the Facebook yet, just because I'm still thinking about things. I want to figure out exactly what I want to do. I, I have a lot in my mind, mm-hmm. but um, hopefully in the near future, I'll be doing stuff on there more. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's an idea and it's there and I'm sure it'll come to you. But like you said, like there's other things that you're working on right now and like, the number one priority has got to be you and you've got to be in that kind of clear headspace to be able to do something like that. You know, I, I, I've done the same thing with the podcast where I've taken off, taken some time away from it. And so I'm just like trying to figure out which ones I want to do and which ones I actually right. want to put out there. Cause you know, I don't want it to just be like all this fun stuff where it's like, Oh, we're just hanging out and talking. Like I want it to mean right. something and to be able to help people and reach people. So which is so dope. It's so dope that you that you did that because I've been terrified to start mine. I'm being completely honest. I've been terrified. Yeah. It's it's 
it's not that easy yeah. to, to just do those things, you know? So that's awesome. I'm proud of you. Keep it going. Yeah, I definitely will do. And, uh, you know, it was great talking to you and catching up. You know, we caught up before we actually got into it, the whole thing. <laughs> and it's, just, it's crazy because you and I haven't seen each other in so long, but we just literally, like, picked right back up where we left off. Yep. Like, I don't do that with a lot of people, and I think it's because I've known you for so long that right. there's just that level of comfortability, and, you know, I you know, I just thank you for taking the time and for having the conversation once you were ready to. It's it's a big step, and it's hard, so, you know, I think it's very brave of you. Yeah, I think that goes back to what you said, that point you made about um, just saying yes to things, you know, rather than and then being in a good space to do that, and that's why I wanted to. I wanted to be in a, in a really good spot and mental space for you and myself as well, you know? Yeah. So yeah, sometimes we just got to take that time. Definitely. Well, I'm, you know, I'm excited to kind of see what comes next for you. And, you know, I'm happy, like I said, to see that you're in a much better place than you had been in the past. And, um, you know, I, just think it's important what you're doing and how you're going about it in the healthiest way that you can for yourself. So, um, yeah, keep that up too. I appreciate that. And thanks for having me.